Welcome to season six of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit, and I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the finale of season six. This is your host, Corey Weathers. What a year 2021 has been. I know, um, man, for a while there, we were talking about what a crazy year 2020 was. And then 21 brought all kinds of other things, right? And so um, here I am in, in December doing a season finale when usually I'm doing a season finale in like November, the beginning of November. And then I usually go on sabbatical and take some time off. And here it is the first week of December and I'm just now recording this and it's been a crazy year. I'm going to try to recap it a little bit for you guys. Um, But I just want to say thanks for listening um, today, but also those of you who've been listening to um, the season, season six, and um, and any other seasons, if you've been listening for a while, I really, really do appreciate all the kind words um, that you guys have given me, even especially over the last year, as I've been able to travel again and and go to speak. And I'm always surprised when someone comes up and says that they've been listening to the podcast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people are listening. And I know people are because I can see some level of numbers and downloads and all of that. But it's just always wonderful to meet somebody who was in some way encouraged or blessed by this podcast. And it's kind of what keeps me going and makes me willing to maybe consider a, a next season. And that's often what I do when it's about is I kind of take a look at everything that I have done in the last year, take a look at where I'm kind of leaning towards next year, and then really just spend some time to be quiet and really think things through. I ask myself some tough questions about why do I want to do those things next year, whether or not that's right and good for me to do it next year, kind of weigh out like um, all those other things that might be happening in life and whether or not I can do it well. Sorry, could you say that again? Okay. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. Okay, I'm leaving that in because here's why. Siri has like this, like we're not going to get into conspiracy theories here, but can I just say that how many times I'll be speaking or doing a counseling session and Siri just suddenly goes, I'm sorry, I didn't, I don't understand what you're saying or I'm sorry, whatever. And so it always freaks me out and I just think it's really funny. Um, So Siri joined us for the podcast today. So (laughs) going back to the topic, um, So I usually um, take some time during the sabbatical to ask myself some really tough questions and make sure that I am doing things with the right motive and make sure I have the right bandwidth. And um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that because last year this time I was, of course, evaluating after a tough 2020, like the rest of you, where we moved in the middle of the pandemic, I was really um, trying to ask myself what I was going to do for 2021. And I remember that season finale where I was like playing that Kenny Rogers song of no one to hold them, no one to fold them. And, and I was starting to close down a couple of things specifically last year, closing down the counseling portion of um, my career and my work um, so that I could transition to some other things really mainly because I really couldn't do all of the things and something had to go. And um, I really felt like with the speaking engagements and other projects that I've um, had the honor to work on, I didn't feel like it was fair to my clients um, to not be as available to them as they should be able to expect their therapist to be available. And so um, that was one of the things that I was kind of like going to kind of tuck away or put on pause for a while. Um, And it was the right move for me for real. Um, Then I picked up a job, a full-time job, and um, worked that for about four months. And that sounds like a very short amount of time, which it was, Um, but very quickly realized going into that job um, that it was not a good fit and not a good place for me to stay and um, made the very difficult decision to transition out of that job. And that's a whole other podcast of like, how do you know when to let go of something? So maybe that's the theme here is when, when to let go of something, when to hold on to something. Um, it goes back to that song, right? No one to hold them, no one to fold them. Um, and so if I could theme anything 
Um, as far as this year, if I could put a theme to it, I would say that kind of thought of knowing when to fold them and knowing when to walk away last year was, I didn't know then that it was going to end up being a theme for the whole year. I thought it was just for going to be for a short season, maybe for those first couple of months. Um, but it has turned into an evaluation, um, across the board for the whole year of just knowing how to, um, take a look at your life and look at what's on your plate and then ask yourself, where do I have control over my circumstances and where do I not? And so that's kind of where I want to start today for the finale is we're going to talk about, um, and I'm going to share a little bit of my, my story of the last year of, of just how to evaluate your life and your circumstances, because I think that, um, if we can say anything about the last year and a half to two years, it is that sometimes life hands you circumstances that are not within your control and not something that you invited into your life. Uh, meaning um, deployments are one of those things that you don't ask for unless you volunteer to go on one, right? Um, PCS orders is often not something you ask for. It's something that's time to go. It's time to move and do something different. Um there are medical um, diagnoses and crises that can happen that you're not inviting it into your life, but things happen and then you have to react and then you have to cope. And, and I would say that was kind of a big theme, especially in the beginning of my year was just how many things were happening that were um, not things that I invited into my life. It was just life happening. And so I think when life just starts to happen, as it has for all of us in the last two years... Um, hopefully at some point we kind of have to sit back and just go, all right, let me take a look at this and let me take a look at what, um, I have the capacity to handle what I have control over and what I do not, and then make some decisions that are hopefully good, healthy decisions on how do I navigate through this time, um, without losing my mind or, um, burning myself out, um, or just kind of walking around like a victim of my circumstances and or and or um, which may be worse, living on accident, like just living day to day, hoping today is going to be different than it was yesterday and then being mad and frustrated when it's not. So um, what I wanted to kind of talk about as far as um, the finale and, and just being able to assess all of that and talk about it and, and help maybe give you a few tips on some things that I tried to implement over the last year and what's worked and what hasn't, hopefully it will encourage you and inspire you to make some necessary changes in your life that maybe it's time to make. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about. And then I also put out a survey. Um, if you are a part of the newsletter list, um, I know there's a bazillion emails coming into your email box around Christmas, um, but you will be getting an email from me shortly that's just kind of an end of year wrap up with a, a link to take a very quick survey that I pushed out on social media ahead of time um, for the purpose of, of also kind of fitting that into the finale. And we're going to talk about how, um, how we're really doing, how I think the culture is really doing and some things to look out for. Um, I've been really trying to pay close attention, not just to how I'm doing and trying not to like assume everybody is doing the way that I'm doing, but also just going out and listening to you guys. Um, if you've been, if you brought me out to speak in the last year, or if I have had the chance to do a session with you or just, um, just kind of see what's happening on social media as well, we can kind of get a good kind of temperature check on how the culture is doing. And so we're going to talk about that as well. So, um, here's the thing, like when I finished, um, season, what are we in? We're season six. So when I finished season five, um, with that, you know, Kenny Rogers, um, ending, if you will, which totally got copyrighted, um, flagged by YouTube, uh, because I threw that song in there and I don't regret it. Um, Kenny Rogers can make whatever he needs to make off of me putting that in the podcast, probably not much, but um, I went into season six with this um, kind of intention that um, I called it the stronger series. And that was kind of my, my mindset was, all right, I'm going into a deployment. Matt's obviously going to, into a deployment. I'm going to experience the deployment um, here at home. And I wanted to do season six with this kind of theme of 
what does it look like to rise above your circumstances and um, and be stronger, feel stronger, um, understand your strengths? A lot of you know that I do the Strength Finder and love the Strength Finder. So I knew that going through that deployment and doing whatever I was going to be asked to do over the next year was going to ask me to call upon the strengths and talents that I have. And that that's the best approach for me to cope with whatever I'm going to have to go through. And so I was really hoping to be inspired by stories of of those who had been through very difficult things and rose above um, and to share some of those stories with you. And then deployment happened and it was tough. And and I've shared that over the the season here. And so I'm not going to recap all of it. But if I could sum up the deployment um, and my time during the deployment, which was November to about April to May. And so if I'm going to keep in 2021 and in this season um, from January to May, um, there was just a lot of things happening during that deployment that made it so difficult for me. And it was all things that I could not um, control and things that I had not invited into my life. So um, quick recap, right? It was the Texas ice storms. It was COVID. It was trying to protect my kids from COVID. It was coming out of like a, you know, half a year of lots of virtual events and energy and creativity going towards that. The burnout of, um, supporting so many people through COVID through counseling sessions. And so there was just a lot of things that happened in the spring that just felt like, man, I couldn't catch a break. Um, and, and when you are that stressed, your creativity is not where you want it to be. And so very quickly, I found for even the podcast series, I was not able to get the guests that I wanted to get on or track the stories that I wanted to share. Um, Matt and I did the amazing opportunity to do the USO series that followed us along the deployment. Um, and so I kind of, you know, was thankful for that because it gave me the opportunity to, to make sure I was bringing that content to you. And there was just no way to do that content and also separate content on the podcast. And so very quickly into the year, the original theme that I wanted to do for season six um, was just getting sabotaged. And I, I remember feeling just so frustrated, like here I had, you know, said that I wanted the theme to be about rising above your circumstances. And I felt like at times I was barely keeping my head above the water. And um, I was like, but I'm doing a really terrible, unorganized job of this season. Um, it, and at some point, it felt like there was really no theme. It just was whatever, you know, I had the opportunity to push out. Um, I wanted to make sure I pushed it out. And then very soon after that comes the the withdrawal of Afghanistan. And, um, and I felt so much of the community and culture struggling and wrestling through that. And I know, you know, we had feelings about that too. I just felt like, and I knew it was necessary to do the Afghanistan series. And then of course I was so thankful to have Sarah come on board and, and do the first responder series. And so I don't know what you should call season six. It was like a hodgepodge mix of whatever the culture needed as we needed it. And so thank you for continuing to listen. And if it felt like it was disorganized, um, maybe it was a little bit disorganized and it was just a little bit of whatever we needed in the moment is what I tried to provide. And so I hope to go into the next season a little bit more intentional than that. Um, we'll see if I can, if life will allow that, or if I can wrestle life into submission and try to actually, um, execute that. Um, but that's how I look back on season six. Like it was just a lot more episodes than I would normally do in a season and a lot of a huge mixture of whatever we needed as a culture and, and honestly, whatever I was going through too. So um, it was a lot. And so I, when I was thinking about doing the season finale and how do you recap and how do you kind of tie a bow onto like a season of just a hodgepodge mix of things, how do you wrap that up, right? How do you wrap up a hot mess like that? And so I just decided, you know, one of my favorite phrases is it's all grist for the mill, which means everything is usable. We can take a lesson and learn a lesson from anything, right? So I thought, you know what, what's the lesson? Let me think on that. What is the lesson from the last year and what I was attempting to do and what actually happened? And I think the lesson is sometimes we can start off our year with our great New Year's resolutions and our word for the year and have great intentions of what we'd like to do, what we'd like to accomplish. And sometimes life just throws you not just one curveball, but a whole lot of curveballs and, and definitely not ones that we want to go through. 
um, and sometimes don't know how to get through them. And I think there's just some seasons that you just kind of have to endure and push through and figure out how to aim towards being better by the end of it than you started. And that if you can do that somehow and get some lesson out of it in the end, then we can look back and we can say it was all worth it somehow. And so today I want us to talk about Number one, how are we really doing after a year like that? Perhaps you went through some things similar to what I just described. Perhaps this year was fantastic for you. We had some people that were saying COVID brought their family closer together than ever before. Um, Some people, 2021 was so much better than 2020. You were able to get your kids back involved and in school and maybe you're back to work and things got exponentially better. And then I think that there's some of you that would say it is better now than what it was in 2020, but that you, if I were to ask you a few additional questions, um, what I find is that, you know, we might say that we're doing well, but honestly, deep down inside, we're not actually doing great. We're just not doing as bad as we were doing during COVID. And I think that that is very telling and honest and something for us to think about. And that it's okay if you are still struggling, if it's okay. I mean, there's a lot of you who lost loved ones, Um, over the last year and a half, um, lost jobs, went through some very difficult things. And it's okay if you're still wrestling with that. I think that just because things have lightened up a little bit, or maybe we've just gotten used to having COVID in our lives or variations of COVID, um, that we're supposed to be okay and act like everything's fine. And I guess I just want to normalize today if you're not or if um, stress and life has taken a toll on your home and your family and your marriage, you're not alone. I guess that's what I want to say. So let's take a minute and talk about how I think the culture is doing in general. And then I want to give you some tips on some things that I started to implement this last year to really um, take back control of some things in my life um, and, and add some fulfillment and joy back into my life after it seemed like so much was out of my control. And so I, I put out this survey again if you're part of the newsletter list, you'll you'll have it go straight to your email box. Please take that survey. And I know there's tons of surveys coming out, but this really does help me not only um, do a better podcast um, for next year to kind of know what do I aim towards, what um, topics are important to you, what, um, what, what are you going to podcasts for so that I can make sure that I'm hitting the right mark. But it also, this kind of information when I put surveys out, it also helps me in my consultant role with um, organizations that are asking me to help them build out programming. Um, Or if it's about advocacy, there's advocacy opportunities where I can sometimes go to the DOD or go to important people and say, hey, here's how our culture is really doing. We need to make some changes. Of course, that never means that we're going to make those changes overnight. But starting that conversation or being able to speak truth into those places is um, an honor and an opportunity and something I want to be um, a good steward of. And so when you fill out those surveys, it lets me know where you're at. And um, it definitely makes sure that I'm not um, being biased in what I think I'm seeing in the culture. But um, And sometimes there's some surprising things that come up that I was not even tracking um, on how families are doing that really does end up shaping the whole next year's worth of projects and content and how I'm encouraging other organizations organizations to serve you and build out things that serve you. So um, if you've not had a chance to take that survey and you're, um, you receive it in your email box, make sure you do, or go to my Facebook page and you'll see it there. Um, and you can just do a quick link. It's not super long. It's just um, some maybe 10 to 15 questions, I would say. Um, and so we're going to go through it a little bit and I'm going to kind of talk about how I think that we're doing. So um, anytime we kind of answer that question, like how is the culture doing? Um, there is what the culture is saying. And when I say culture, I mean the service culture, especially the military culture. I would say we have definitely, well, first responder culture, you guys have been through a lot as well in the last year and a half. And I would say across the board, everybody's been through a lot of rough stuff. So there is what the culture or service culture is saying about how they're doing. And then there is the underlying, um, how they're doing, but maybe not saying out loud. And so oftentimes when you ask somebody, Hey, how you doing? You get the answer fine, right? Or not too bad or better than I was, right? And that's kind of typically the answer that we give anybody because we don't know if that person in front of us really wants to hear just all the things that are actually on our mind. And so we don't really give a full honest answer. And so 
Um, there's what the culture is saying, but then there's the underlying story. And perhaps that underlying story has taboo topics. Um, there's a lot of, for example, different feelings about the vaccine, which we are not going to get into this here because it is not a political podcast. Um, but there's a lot of divisiveness there and a lot of opinions and a lot of feelings and fears and all kinds of stuff that's going on. And those are definitely now taboo topics, not just in our culture, but in your families as well. And so there's all these underlying things that everybody's feeling and wrestling with and trying to figure out when do I say something out loud and when do I not, right? And that kind a question of how are you doing is one of those loaded questions where we're not often getting the actual, real, um, vulnerable answer when we ask it. So um, as I've traveled around and, and worked with spouses and couples and done sessions with couples and really started asking these questions and kind of testing out the vulnerability of those answers, here's what I what I think that I'm seeing over the last year. And that is number one, I believe that our culture is um, struggling more than I've ever seen it struggle before. Um, we are exhausted and burned out from a 20 year um, or yeah, 20 year um, war that ended um, in a very difficult way that's, that people are still processing. Um, some process processing it better or easier than others. Um, we have generations within the service culture who are exhausted and so therefore are not running the programs that we used to run, not mentoring the way that we used to mentor, not giving back or serving as much as they used to before because they're tired and because their kids are also starting to struggle because their aging parents are also you know, starting to struggle. And so we have less involvement in our community and our military culture, especially than we have ever had. And so what we end up having is a culture that is exhausted and burned out, um, who is feeling very divided, not only within their own community and tribe, but also within their families on everything from COVID to politics to um, whether or not you believe that there's issues going on with either one of those. Um, and also just feeling different and other and ostracized and, and whatever. Um, and so the community has broken down. Coping skills and coping resources have broken down. And so when you have a culture that is tired and burned out and then not knowing where to get help, and then <clears throat> the longer that you've been in, the more we're seeing those of us with older kids or seeing our kids and teenagers starting to struggle with life and the world and the military culture and the fatigue that has come from moving and relocating and, and so much being asked of the family it's starting to leak out with those kids. And then if you have kids, especially if you have teenagers that are struggling, that plays a huge, takes a huge toll on your marriage and on your family time, how you spend your money, um, all of that, right? And so we have these compounding stressors that I am seeing a lot of our families going through. Um, but it's not something that you're like necessarily talking about when you go out with coffee with your friends or acquaintances or just sharing with just anybody, right? Because when somebody asks, how are you doing? You're kind of like, I'm doing okay today, right? Um, but it's definitely something that I'm seeing. The other big thing that I'm seeing is that spouses in particular, so I have the supporting spouse, the one that is home, kind of managing the home front. Um, what I really saw over the course of this last year was spouses really kind of this continuation of what I was kind of starting to cover last year, but this continuation of a struggle of self-care. Now we have used that word or those words and we've run them into the ground, right? Ever since COVID, especially it's like self-care, self-care. What are you going to do for self-care? The only thing you have control over is self-care. And, uh, and, and we all got tired of that word. At least I know I did because I was saying it so often. Um, but when I would go out and speak and talk with um, our supporting spouses and really work with them, and that would be something I could say that I really did different um, when I would travel this year was I was doing a whole lot more debriefing, a whole lot more decompression talks, processing um, where everybody's at. It was a lot more organic and less lecturing and education um, because of what everybody was going through. And what I found from our supporting spouses is just how many of them were so burned out and, and having taken care of everybody else before themselves, they, when I would ask, 
um, hey, wh- what do you do to take care of yourself? Or what does self-care mean to you? I would get these blank stares and they just didn't have an answer. Or it'd be the generic cliche answer of, I'd love to go to a spa. Or I'd love to take a nap. Um, because the first thing on their mind was just, can I just recover and get some rest? And yes, that is an important self-care. But what I what I found was actually lacking was people couldn't tell me where they would or could experience joy. And that has become very concerning for me. Um, I think that's always been hard to answer, but when you when you pair that up or to use another metaphor, when you mix that in a pot, like a soup pot, right? With exhaustion and resentment and you have discontentedness and you have lack of joy and you have apathy, um, that is not a good mix, right? And I think that that is where I feel like I'm seeing people walking around with apathy and just this lethargic um, attitude It doesn't mean that you're not capable of having fun. It doesn't mean you have happy moments. It doesn't mean that you aren't experiencing joy and goodness and some community here or there. I'm just saying, for the most part, I am seeing um, people just really tired and therefore um, not knowing where to find their joy and not even knowing where to start. So I'm seeing them like, I don't even know what thing I would go to, what person I would talk to and what, what I would begin and or where to begin. And so that's super concerning to me when we say, hey, the best way to cope with stress is for you to do self-care. But if you don't know what self-care actually looks like for you, then you're going to be stuck, right? You're going to be stuck in a place of apathy and you're just going to go back to your old pattern and you're just going to go back to serving everybody else before yourself and neglecting yourself. And one of my one of my favorite phrases over the last year has been, um, how often are we abandoning ourselves, right? That in an opportunity to serve someone else, we choose the other person um, over honoring and listening to our spirit and what our spirit is asking us to do in order to get us to a healthy place. And we, we kind of say, ah, I don't have time for that. Or um, I don't even know what I would do. And so you dismiss yourself and you abandon yourself to go do the thing that you feel a little bit more productive on and know how to do, right? And so I'm not saying here that service and taking care of your family and serving your spouse, that those things are wrong or that you shouldn't do them. They're a huge component in making sure that your family and your marriage are in a healthy place. But if we are doing those things and then abandoning ourselves, then that is out of balance, okay? And so that is the thing that I'm concerned about the most is I feel like I'm seeing some groups of people that are kind of walking around like zombies that are exhausted and don't even know where to begin. And so that's what I hope to encourage you guys on today is to take a look at your life and see are you experiencing joy? Do you feel like you know where you would go to um, to find and um, have joy come up in you? Where is the life? Right, life giver means that you are someone that in that can breathe life into someone else. If you don't have life in you, right, you can't breathe anything other than exhaustion into someone else, or just you'll breathe like energy towards them and that will be great, but that doesn't mean it's life-giving, right? To breathe life into someone else or breathe life into a circumstance or into a setting means that you are, you know, you have this overflow of joy, of life, of energy, of creativity. And even as I'm saying that, some of you guys are like, that sounds exhausting, right? If if that was the first thing that came to your mind when I just said that, that's a, that's a big sign, right? That we are starting from an exhausted place. And so what exactly are we breathing into our kids, right? What exactly are we breathing into our marriage if we're just kind of like plugging along, doing the next thing, five meter targets, and just barely surviving, right? Again, this is about balance and it is about um, being realistic. And that, um, again, I want to normalize. It has been a very difficult year and a half to two years, maybe two decades, right? It is understandable if you have been in a place of plugging along in five meter targets. And there are seasons where it feels like five meter targets, right? Um, Our son, Aiden, um, joined football this year and, um, and 
we have not been football parents before. And it was a lot here in Texas to be a football mom, football parents, go to football games. And in Texas, it's so huge. Like your Friday night lights football game could be two and a half hours away. And so it was just a lot. Um, And it felt like we were just kind of going day to day doing the best that we could do. So there are seasons that are crazier than other seasons, and it might feel like you're barely surviving and just five meter targets. Um, But those are also the times that we need to really take a step back and ask ourselves, what do I need to do to take care of myself so that I don't run myself into the ground during this season? So when I put this survey out and I was asking everybody, how are you doing? I want to kind of share some of the results of what I've seen. Um, so this this survey is asking both service members and supporting spouses, um, you know, everything from how would you describe your your family's doing, how your marriage is doing, whether or not you feel like you're in crisis or whether you're thriving. Um, it also is asking if you're burned out or if you have lots of energy. And I thought there was a, there's a couple of interesting things that came out of this survey that I think was um, very telling. Okay, so here's a couple of things that I want to point out, and then we're going to talk about um, how you can do some very practical things to kind of reclaim your life back and start kind of pouring into your cup where you can stop abandoning yourself and maybe bring some life back into your life and maybe start to experience a little bit more joy too. Okay. So here's some interesting things that came out of the survey. Um, Number one, what was interesting is the supporting spouses that when I asked them, please share your current stress level, one being no stress at all to 10 um, being completely burned out, which is what was super interesting is almost 40% were like way to that extreme of completely burned out, right? Few people like a little bit less than that, but it definitely leaned towards people being burned out. And the majority of them said, all the way to 10, I'm completely exhausted and burned out. Again, validating and um, what I saw when I was traveling this year. Um, when I asked how people were doing with their marriages, I was not expecting um, everybody to be in crisis because I think that in times of stress, we tend to pull together and usually work stronger and better together to get through that stress. Um, but I think sometimes it kind of can take a toll and we can have a lot leaking out and we can see some a, a little bit of crisis happening too in this in the culture. And so I would say I got like answers across the board, a few people in crisis, a few people doing awesome. But I would say um, the majority of marriages that took this survey kind of leaned towards um, that they were doing okay um, and not in crisis, but they weren't doing awesome right? So that there was room for improvement. We wish that we were doing better. Um, And this also goes with some other surveys that I've seen as well lately, where a lot of people are saying, we're just so tired. We're just so exhausted. We're not getting the date nights that we need. We're not getting the time together that we need. Or maybe you just collapse on your couch sometimes like we do and watch a show um, to recover. And so, but that doesn't mean you feel like you're in the best place that you actually could be where you have the strength and energy to really invest and feel that kind of life-giving thing happening between you and your spouse, right? So that was not surprising to me either to see most couples are saying, we're doing okay. We're like in the middle but leaning towards doing a little bit better, um, but we're not doing great either. Um, when I asked um, spouses, like, what are your top three biggest needs? Like, if you were to, if you were to sum up your biggest needs, um, again, not surprising, but very validating. Um, supporting spouses, like overwhelmingly use their own words. So I didn't give them necessarily like this was not multiple choice. This is an open question. Put whatever you want in the fill in the blank. Um, Overwhelmingly, most of it is financial stress and self-care. A little bit of like transition stuff, um, trying to figure out we're nearing retirement, that kind of thing. But I would say like nine out of 10 of all the responses had some level of self-care. Again, this is where I ask you, do you know what self-care looks like for you? Right? Because I think it's really easy for us to identify that self-care is lacking. But again, when I ask you, what are you going to go do to take care of yourself? 
most people can't answer it because the first thing that comes to your mind is what I should be doing. I need to go exercise. I need to do more meditation. I need to do all the things that everybody tells me I should do. But that doesn't mean, again, that it's actually breathing life and joy into you and your circumstances. So um, yes, there are some things like exercise that we need to be doing more often, even if we don't love it. Um, But I want to take this a step further today and make sure that we are ending... um, this episode today with making sure that you are also thinking about what breathes life into you. Okay. So not surprising, but um, validating of, of what I've seen this year, a majority of our supporting spouses are saying, Hey, my biggest need is self-care. Um, and I'm not really knowing how to do it. Um, I also asked the questions again, staying with supporting spouses here. I asked, um, if, um, if they were open to counseling, therapy, coaching, like those kind of services in order to help them cope with their circumstances and their stress, um, I asked them like, what was the obstacle in them actually doing that thing, which is kind of a version of self-care, right? And um, overwhelmingly, again, over 50%, actually more like 54% so far are saying they don't have time right? Not surprising if you're a supporting spouse that you don't have time, but it's telling that um, we don't have the time. That's part of the answer that we're seeing of issues behind how well we're caring for ourselves is that we either don't have the time or we're not making the time, right? Foreshadowing, spoiler alert. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So here, what was, here's what was interesting. There's some other things in here that are, um, really, um, some other things that I was trying to capture too, is trying to figure out where you guys are getting your information and your self-help. If you are not going to counseling things like podcasts, are you getting it from, um, books? Like what are you, where are you going to, to get help? Right. Or if you are getting help, what are you going to? And so, um, some of the surveys helping us capture a little bit of that. Um, most people said that they would rather work with someone one-on-one, but again, you're, we're not feeling like we have time to actually do it. Right. So here's what was was interesting that I really want to point out to everybody. Um, The difference between the supporting spouse answers versus the service member questions. And we could apply this to first responders as well. So again, going back to the beginning of those questions, um, asking them what their current stress level is at. Remember, a majority of supporting spouses said they were completely on that extreme of completely burned out and leaning towards that, right? And what I saw for the service members is while supporting spouses are saying like, I'm at a 10, I'm exhausted, run into the ground, burned out, right? A majority of our serving spouses put about an eight, even a few of them, like a close second place is at a three, right? That's a huge difference. So they're not completely burned out. They have some bandwidth um, and there's a little bit of room there, which is interesting, right? So when you think about a marriage and you've got one spouse that is burned out and just run into the ground and you've got a um, another spouse that has the bandwidth and is getting some form of self-care, um, there's going to be some misunderstandings there and probably some conflict, right? And so one of the um, reasons why I think that is happening for the, the serving spouses is um, they have usually, there's PT and exercise that's naturally built into the job, especially if you are one of those that needs to show up for PT at like 6.30 every morning, it's built into and that expectation is in your job. And even though that's stressful to fit it in, and maybe you're not getting the workouts that you'd like to get in the way that you'd want to do it, at least it is, um, you're at least checking that box in some way. Um, it's also because I think that, um, a lot of, or a majority of our service members have a sense of purpose, um, that they're going to that job every day. And again, there can be some negatives about that job for sure. Um, but it is, um, it is a job that brings you a sense of purpose and achievement and builds confidence, um, maybe where you're also getting a sense of community. And so I think that there's a couple of variables that our service members have in their jobs, especially or in their lifestyle, that they're getting that um, is feeding them a little bit better than our supporting spouses at home where all of that expectation. And if you're going to have those variables and those important um, dimensions of health in your life, that it's all on you to make time for them. 
them, right? It's all on you to figure out how to make sure they're happening in your life. And of course that makes sense, right? If it's built into your day naturally as part of your job, then you're going to probably make sure that you have access to that, right? Easier. Whereas if it's all based off of your own self-control and you're valuing yourself enough to make room for that, um, we're going to like not do a great job with that, right? So that makes sense. When I asked about the health of their marriages, um, there was a lot more service members that were saying that their marriage was in a really great place and more service members that said that their marriages were in crisis. So interesting where I, the supporting spouses were kind of like, you know, leaning towards we're in, you know, we're, we're not doing too bad. We're doing okay. Could be better, but we're doing okay. Whereas some of the service members a little bit more towards we're either doing great or we're not <laughs> like one extreme or the other. So I think that's interesting too. Um, again, those could be just totally different families going through totally different circumstances. But when I pull those together, I go, hmm, that's interesting. We have different ways of looking at things. Um, and, and that's true, right? We have different personalities, different perspectives, um, different kind of measuring sticks of what, what a healthy thriving marriage looks like, um, what healthy communication looks like is going to look different for you versus your spouse. And so I think that this is a great opportunity to have conversation in your marriage. Like, how do you feel like your marriage is going, right? And you might, your spouse might come back and say, actually, I think things are great given our circumstances. And the other one might be going, I actually am struggling and would love to see us make some improvements, right? And then, you know, maybe the answer to working on your marriage is somewhere there in the middle, right? Of how do I, um, how do I, if I'm the spouse that feels like things should be better, how do I extend grace to my spouse and go, maybe we're doing the best that we can. And maybe we pick up something this year that helps us draw a little bit closer and we're a little bit more intentional. Like perhaps that answer is somewhere in the middle. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, but I think some of this is telling. Um, the last part I wanted to share about the the way that the service members were answering um, this survey is when I asked what the top biggest needs for the service member, um, self-care was not the first thing that was um, listed throughout. Actually, it was work-life balance, right? That makes sense too, right? This work-life balance of um, how do I handle my career? Um, the people were mentioning disappointment appointment in their career. Um, but um, like almost everybody said work-life balance, just like almost every one of our supporting spouses said self-care. So I think that's interesting, right? Again, this should invite conversation um, into your marriage, right? It'd be like me going to Matt and saying, hey, how are you doing with the whole work-life balance thing? Like, I know I see Matt working extremely hard, like extremely hard at work and then coming home and working extremely hard in the family. And there's been many times over the last year where I've said, hey, like, you know, it's okay for you to turn that down like two notches. Like you're doing awesome. And um, there's a there's a point where you can do too much and burn yourself out. And I'm actually concerned that um, you might burn yourself out. Um, just like he could probably come to me and go, hey, which he has definitely over the last year. That was the biggest thing he was bringing up in my life and holding me accountable on, especially early on this year of, hey, you're, you're really struggling here. Um, what does it mean for you to take a look at things um, and and make some room to take care of yourself? And I know in previous years, if he brought that up, I kind of got defensive. Um, I got kind of like resentful where I was like, you know, I would swing the pendulum and get defensive and think that he was asking or telling me that I was doing too much. Um, when really he was just saying, Hey, you seem tired. Is there something that I can help you with so that you're less tired? Right. But I would be the one that would be defensive and misinterpret what he was actually saying to me. So this should invite some conversation into your marriage to, to know that you can both be going through different things. 
um, that you, this year could mean different things to both of you? And how do you have those conversations? And how do you choose to meet in the middle on your um, action steps and being proactive in the next year to make sure that you're addressing both sides? Um, It's a great date night topic um, if we can lower our defenses, right? So before I get into sharing with you some of the things that I've um, worked really hard to implement in my life over the last year that's really made a huge difference for me, um, I just want to remind you um, that, you know, if if our culture is as exhausted as I think it is, um, weary is another word for it, I just want to remind you, and you've probably heard me say this either over the last year or probably in previous episodes, is just remind you of the acronym HALT right? Um, That we are never going to be able to communicate well or be on our best behavior or be at our best in general if we are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? And so it's almost like if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you're probably at like 60%, right? 60% of your best. And, And so if that's genuinely where we actually are, then we need to just be graceful with ourselves and graceful with our spouse and maybe use that as a way to communicate in your marriage and just say, hey, I'm, I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? I'm not going to be at my best right now, or I'm feeling at 60% today. Like I could be better than I am. And, and I'm going to work on those things. And, and the goal is to not find yourself at hundred percent every day. Cause I don't think that that's humanly possible, but I do think that number one, we can be self-aware of where we are. Um, and we can put a number to it. It actually helps with our communication towards our spouse. And then the next question should be, well, what am I going to do about that? right? If we're living at 60% or 40% all the time, then then there's a good chance that we're giving our best to um, other things that we might need to rebalance it out so that we are giving our best to the right places. And, and I just don't want you to neglect yourself in that list of things to do and that in that list of people to serve, right? So if you're living, you know, I think there are seasons like with young children and toddlers and newborns where you're staying up all night and and there's definitely seasons where you are a lot's being asked of you deployment is a, another good example of that right um so again be graceful with yourself but even during the deployment that was something that I was really having to take a look at where I don't want to live 40% of my best throughout the deployment I want to figure out how do I bring that up to 60 how do I bring 60 up to 70 is it even possible to bring 70 up to 80 right like I want to be asking myself what are the things that are exhausting me do I have control over any of those things and if I don't have control over those things what do I have control over that will um that will help me navigate through a very tough time right So here's where I'm going to dive into what I started to implement earlier this year um, and how I've been working on that over the course of the year to um, get myself back to a healthier place. And so when we were going through the deployment, all of those things um, that I've shared over the course of this season um, were, again, things that I didn't invite into my world, but were happening. Ice storms, trying to winterize the house by myself, my kids having COVID or keeping my kids from COVID in and out of school. I had crazy guy on my doorstep. Um, I had, I'm just so, you know, then like, the deployment, then we have reintegration, and then we just have so much happening, right? I had, you know, left part of my job, started a new job, left that job. I mean, how many like big life things can you go through in in one year, right? And I know there's some of you that are listening who've been through even bigger things, right? So I would definitely say in the spring, I was at a place where I was at the at the like my limit. I was hitting my ceiling on anxiety, on just physical health, on, I was carrying so much um, angst in my body and in my spirit and in my mind. And I knew I was not doing well. And a lot of it, again, was not stuff I had invited into my world. It just was life stress taking a toll on me. And I knew that there was a place where I was like, I just can't live like this anymore. I've got to figure out what I do have control over and and start doing those things in order to create a little bit of space so that I can navigate this very difficult season. 
Matt coming home was a huge part of that help. He fed me ashwagandha gummies, which if you don't know what ashwagandha is, I think it's a plant or root actually, um, that helps with adrenal gland fatigue. I mean, like he was giving me vitamins, like so many vitamins, I couldn't even stomach them. Um, making sure that I got great rest. Um, there was a lot of, he took on a lot of things around the house during reintegration. So there was definitely some things in his help that made a huge difference to kind of get the ball rolling for me. But even into the deployment, this is the part that I want to share with you. Even, even during the deployment, I started to ask myself the question, all right, you know, there's so much for me to do every day during the day, so much to take care of with the kids and the house and the pets and all of those things. Um, I need to ask myself when I put my head on my pillow, what are the things that I wish that I would have done that day that when I didn't do them, I regret it, right? Because those are the things that probably were things that would have fed me, right? And so I decided to make a list and I, and I shared this, um, I think during the USO deployment series. So this may not be the first time you've heard this part, but I kind of want to share with you today, like how did I then tweak it after I made these decisions? But the first thing that I did, and the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to make a list of three to five things, maybe just start with three, three, three things that when you put your head on your pillow at night, that you look back on and say, man, I really didn't, I didn't work out today. And that was something I said I was going to do. And I, I really miss working out or it's something that's really going to get me to a better place. And I didn't make time for it again. And I'm kicking myself for that. Or maybe one of the things you love to do is read, right? And, and you put your head on your pillow and you know, and you're like, you know what? I let my day get away from me and I gave my time to everybody else. And here I am, I didn't make time to read today, or maybe it was a devotional time with God, or maybe it was um, calling that friend, whatever it was that you said, this is important to me and it's going to make me a better me if I do it. What is three things that would bring you joy um, that you're missing in your life right now um, that you would kick yourself if you didn't do it by the end of the day? And I um, covered this in a previous episode, but you've probably heard by now I picked up the cello during the deployment because that was the thing that was just deep in my core, something I'd always wanted to do. And I love to learn new things. And so the cello was one of them. Um, devotional was another one. Um, working out was my third. Um, and then I know that reading um, is always something that I wish I had more time to do, but it was a little bit farther down on my list. And so in the beginning of the deployment, the first goal was to come up with those three things, three to five things. And then the second goal is to actually now start trying to do them each day. And this is where it gets hard. And this is where most people drop the ball on their um, New Year's resolutions. And because we don't know how to implement them in our lives. And so we just don't, right? Or we just like can't do it consistently. And so it just doesn't happen. And then we just let it all go and we go back to our old routines. And so what I, I gave myself some grace and some time to try to start fitting them in, but being mindful and intentional with the fact that they were important to me. And that, and I, I made sure to make note that on those nights that I put my head on my pillow and I didn't do those things, I didn't, I didn't beat myself up about it. I didn't shame myself. I didn't, um, I didn't like have a pity party. I just made a mental note that I was regretting it. Like that I wish that I would have done that. And I made a mental note. I don't want to feel like that tomorrow. So I'm going to see what I can do differently tomorrow so that I feel better tomorrow night. Right. So again, instead of beating myself up, I just was mindful and, and attentive to the fact that I was sad, you know, I was sad that I didn't do those things today. And so at some point when you have enough nights of kind of regretting it, you start to realize, Hey, I actually need to change a few things so that I can stop having that same reaction or feeling at the end of the day. So then I started trying to think about, um, all right, when can I start fitting these in my day more intentionally at a time where I know I'm going to do them. So for example, I know personally, I've known this for a while. If I don't exercise in the morning, it's probably not going to happen because by the time I get showered and I'm dressed for the day, I really don't want to like go for a run and get all sweaty and then like get another shower and then start all over. Right. So I know for me, if I don't do that in the morning, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but when it came to the cello or reading or those kinds of things, sometimes I found that if I waited too late in the day, I was just too tired to put my brain to that. Like I could 
Um, it doesn't take a ton of brain power to work out, but it does take physical energy. And so I knew I needed that in the morning. But when it came to these other things that brought me joy, I found that my creativity was down and my brain wasn't quite there when I saved it for the afternoon or or the evening. I would again sabotage and not do it if it was in the afternoon. So then I started to toy with what, how do I fit this now in the morning? Because that's a lot of things to fit in the morning when I have a work day, right? And so does that mean I need to wake up earlier? Does that mean my work day starts later? And if you work from home and you own your own business, maybe you can start work later, right? So I started to play with little variable questions, right? When is the best time of day for me to do those things? Do I want to, or do I feel as free and as, um, as secure practicing my, my cello from that beginner level when Matt and the boys are also in the house? And, and that's not an issue for me now, but for some of you who let's say are picking up an instrument or are working out or whatever, perhaps the beginning of that season or that stage means that you kind of want to have your alone time and, and just really kind of do it after everybody's left the house where people aren't needing something from you. Right. And so it's kind of coming down to those little little things like those of you who don't have kids and have dogs, right? Like it's hard to sit down and have that cup of coffee and have that quiet time for yourself when the dog is begging to be fed and let out and walked and all of that, right? And so you got to figure out these little nuances of time, right? Like I'm going to get up, I'm going to get my cup of coffee, I'm going to take the dog for a walk, then I'm going to come back after that's done because the dog will be taken care of and I can actually sit down and have that time more productively without without with a less likelihood of sabotage when I do it that way, right? And then you try it for the next 2 weeks and see how it goes and see what else you need to tweak, right? And so when I found that I didn't just throw out my goal entirely and just get frustrated with myself and beat myself up, but I instead just gave myself the time to tweak it and find the right times for things and when I needed needed to have the energy in order to do it well, in order to experience joy from it, that all of those little things mattered in me figuring out when to do it and how to do it and how often to do it. Um, it made a huge difference on whether or not it it remained a part of my life. But for some of you guys out there, you may have a very difficult time trying to figure out what are your three things. Okay. And so I just want to remind you that this is not like a pass fail. This is not a, this is not a test, right? You're a human being that evolves over time. And and what you enjoyed three years ago may be different from what you enjoy now and what you're going to enjoy three years from here might be different then, right? But the question is, is like, what what are some things, um, activities or hobbies, things that you could do that you miss doing that you feel like is missing in your life, right? And how do you choose a very simple version of that that you could start today or that you could start tomorrow that doesn't require you going out and buying an RV tomorrow, right? Like, can you just start with going for a hike and seeing how you feel when you're outside with fresh air? And what's the difference between walking for 10 minutes versus walking for 30 minutes versus walking for an hour versus when you how you feel when you've gone camping for a weekend, right? Like paying attention to how you feel at the end of those things helps you, helps inform you on what actually breeds life. Because for me, going camping overnight, maybe, or going for a long hike um, is life-giving to me. But camping for a whole weekend um, sometimes feels stressful to Matt because it's a whole lot of like logistics and planning and packing. And, and there's a lot of things to remember and it doesn't feel as relaxing, right? And so it's just kind of like this example of, you know, starting small and, and working your way up and really fine tuning as you go along. Maybe that's kind of what I'm trying to encourage you guys to do is start simply, but simply start, right? Um, start with something, um, start creating that hobby or that thing that you just start to try out and then fine tune and fine tune and just slowly over the year, um, solidify within your spirit what is it about going for that hike? What is it about learning that instrument? What is it about listening to music or reading books or um, whatever it is that breathes exercising or training for a marathon or whatever it is that breathes life into you? Um, what is it about that that breathes the most life into you? When you go for that run, is it the fact that you accomplished it and you feel like you accomplished something great? Or is it 
like for me going for a run is like, it clears my mind. And so I know I need over 30 minutes of a run for it to have that effect for me, for it to be life-giving, right? But it's taken trial and error for me to know that about myself. And so part of finding what brings you joy, part of um, asking yourself, what is the self-care that I need? Part of, for you serving spouses that are listening that are trying to figure out work-life balance. I mean, that's it's kind of all the same question, right? How do I take better care of myself? How do I manage my time better? Well, it starts with, well, what do you fill your time with? And it also comes down to, are you willing to take control of your circumstances in such a way that you are deciding what you do with your time, where you give that energy and who you're giving that time to? It's one thing to give time to your kids, one thing to give time to your family and to your marriage. But if you're giving it to a lot of other things that don't bring you joy, um, we got to sit down and kind of reevaluate if we're like burning ourselves out and not in a good place. This is the time and and place right now for our entire community to start asking some really big, important questions. How are we going to take a how are we going to better take care of ourselves and and see value in ourselves enough that we pull ourselves out of the pit? Because nobody else is going to do that for you. Nobody else is going to do that for us. The DOD isn't going to do that for us. The um, the police department and the chief is not going to do that for you, right? If you're struggling with work-life balance, if you're struggling with self-care, if you're struggling because you don't have joy in your life, no one else, not even your spouse, can answer that question for you. You have to decide what brings you joy, what breathes life into you, and are you going to start doing it or not? And then lower the expectations on yourself, right? It's it's not realistic to say, I'm going to spend five hours every morning taking care of myself, right? That's tough. And I know that sounds extreme. Some of y'all are needing five hours, right? But we got to start with 20 if that's all you got. And then you work your way up to go, wow, 20 was not enough. 30 was not enough. An hour was not enough. I actually need two to three hours each morning. And if I need two to three hours each morning, that may mean I need to get up earlier, right? If I need to get up earlier, that means I go to bed earlier. If I go to bed earlier, that may mean I'm not sitting on the couch putting food in my face or drinking that alcoholic beverage at 10 o'clock at night because I have a goal that's going to breathe life to me into me the next morning right? So there are choices that we're making all the time that affirm whether or not you find value in yourself or whether you will abandon yourself for something else. When you're sitting on the couch, eating junk food, putting tons of alcohol in your body, you are not saying that you value yourself. You're probably saying something like, I worked really hard. I gave the world everything I had, and now I deserve to have a drink. And that means I deserve to do one more thing. That's not good for me, but I'm, I'm such in a place of survival and trying to recover all the time that I'm in an endless loop of self-sabotage, right? This is about taking control of your life and seeing value in yourself enough that you don't swing the pendulum and the ex- go to the extreme of now the whole world needs to revolve around me. That's not what I'm saying. It's just saying that we're not going to abandon ourselves and forget that we also have value. And in order for you to experience joy in your life, you have to know yourself well enough and like yourself well enough to do those things for yourself that you need right? To get yourself in a better place so that you can endure that difficult season so that you can learn something about yourself from that season and that you can get to the end of it and not feel worse and worse for the wear, right? So hopefully that was helpful. Um, Be patient with yourselves. Start simply, but simply start. Um, I I love all of you so much. I want you to be well. I want you to love who you are and give your give the best version of yourself to you, to God, to your family, to your marriage, to your kids, to your dog, to your cat, to your parents, whatever is happening in your life. Um, but this is just my constant reminder, my PSA 
that you only have control over yourself. You don't have control over a lot of things, including life's circumstances. And there will be seasons. Trust me. That is my big lesson from this last year. Trust me, there will be seasons where it will come at you like rapid fire. And it was not something that you invited. It is not consequences of your choices. Um, and you will have to have a shield of something um, to protect yourself, um, to navigate when life is like that. Now, for some of you, maybe this is my last kind of um, close out. Some of you have made some destructive choices that invited consequences on top of two years of difficulty that you did not ask for. And that is where we find ourselves in crisis and with a lot of cleanup to do. And wouldn't it be so much easier to endure difficult times if they weren't difficult times that we invited upon ourselves? Right. And when we're human beings, we're going to make mistakes, but there are some mistakes that are that are avoidable, right? But again, it all comes back to if you don't know who you are and if you don't know what brings you joy and if you're just living on accident every day and you're in such a place of need, you will find yourself going out into the world and feasting on unhealthy things to meet those needs that will then invite those consequences on your life. Something needs to change. Something needs to change in your life. And maybe now is the time to start it. Simply start, but simply start simply, but simply start. Um, do something different. Whatever's going through your brain right now, it's probably the thing you need to start working on. So think of those three things that are so important to you that breathe life into you, um, that you wish that you would have done every single day and start doing those things. Make room for them. Those of you who need to make time to go get help and go get counseling, it is easier than ever to do telehealth. Um, find that counselor, lower your expectations on their perfection level as well, and just start getting help. Do go to the doctor if you need a checkup, right? Go to a chiropractor if that's what you need. Go do the things um, that you know you need to do that are going to put you in a healthier place where you can be a healthier you. So I hope you guys have a great Christmas. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the Life Giver podcast. Um, I will be spending my sabbatical um, looking at season seven. Um, I love to try something different every year. Um, so I'm sure it'll be something different next year. Um, but I would love to hear from you. Send me an email. Let me know how you're doing. If you have ideas about the podcast or content that you want to see put out, I love questions and I love um, addressing new topics. So send them my way. Thank you guys for being awesome. Thank you for being our tribe that we look to for support. It's an honor to serve you. Um, and thank you for this last year and giving me the opportunity to breathe life into you even just a little bit over the last year. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.